Welcome to the Ember Podcast. We're so glad that you've joined us today as we gather together to wrestle with the ways that these ancient texts collide with our everyday lives as 21st century people. Using art, music, and the world around us as our guide, we hope to breathe new life into these texts and that our conversations spark as much curiosity and creativity for you as they do for us. Hi, I'm Jeremy Grafe. I lead Ember Faith Community here in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Hi, I'm Allison Spooner, and I'm the pastor at Faith Emmanuel and Hope Presbyterian Churches. Hi, I'm Kelsey Wallace, and I'm a PhD student in Bible and Cultures at Drew University. For this season of the podcast, we will be taking a look at the book of Ephesians, one of several New Testament texts attributed to the Apostle Paul. We will be talking about the uniqueness of the letter as a medium for scripture and what ancient letters like Ephesians might have to say to us about God's work in the world today. Thanks for tuning in. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Just as he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before him in love. He destined us for adoption as his children through Jesus Christ, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace that he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace that he lavished upon us. Maybe the first thing that we want to talk about when we talk about the letter to the Ephesians is that not everybody agrees that this was written by Paul. Most scholars in this day and age agree that Paul probably didn't actually write Ephesians. And before you start getting nervous about, oh wait, what does that mean? Actually, that's not a bad thing. It was actually common practice in the ancient world for people to write in the name of a well-respected member of the community. It lended credence and authority to a work. So it wasn't like an act of plagiarism where, for example, one public figure will lift a speech from another public figure and pass it off as their own. It was something that was done to take something of um, the respect and admiration and lend that to the new work. It also doesn't mean that Ephesians is less important in our scriptural canon. It's still in our scriptural canon. It's still important. It still has a great deal of weight and truth as a work of Holy Scripture. So when we say um, pseudo-Paul or written in the name of Paul, we are in no way taking away from how important Ephesians is. Um, We're just addressing the fact that most of today's scholars don't think that Paul actually wrote the letter. The other thing that's important in what you just brought up, Jeremy, is that this is a letter, which is different than any of the other um, podcast seasons we've done so far uh, we talked about Revelation and Jonah both of which are sort of written from a poetical stance or as a novel this is a very different type of writing a very different format 
Yeah, and it's not a letter like we think about a letter. It's probably more like what we would think of as like a blog post or a letter from like the head of a denomination. Like this was expected to be disseminated among the various worshiping communities in the ancient world. The expectation was that it was going to be copied. So it's a little less like a private letter that Paul wrote to a particular person and more like Nadia Boltzweber's latest book that she's expecting a lot of people are going to read it and is hoping for a measure of influence and assuming a wider audience. Yeah, we're not breaking into somebody's mailbox and reading their private correspondence. It's a, it's a public form of discourse. So it's written to um, the folks in Ephesus. Yeah, so Ephesus... Um is one of those ancient cities that we can still find today that you can go visit and kind of walk through um, the streets as they were back in the day. So Ephesus is in modern-day Turkey, um, and it's along the coast of the Aegean Sea in what you might call Asia Minor. I think it's also worth talking about a little bit, um, given that this is a letter, and we've talked about it being an open letter, what kinds of things someone might be thinking about as they're writing a letter that they know other people are going to read. Like, how particular do we think that this letter might be? How how encompassing do we think it might be of um, kind of common practice or theme or thought around these communities, or particularly the community in Ephesus? It feels like there are some letters that Paul wrote or someone writing in the name of Paul wrote that seem like they're a lot more particular. Like 1 Corinthians seems like they're talking about very specific concerns in Corinth, but the themes will also be instructive for other communities. With Ephesians, it kind of feels to me like it's much more general. Like there are a lot of themes about God's grace. What does it mean to be part of this new community of faith, the body of Christ? What does it mean um, to to recognize uh, God's sovereignty or, or God's power? Like Those are really general themes. I'm not getting a whole lot of this very specific thing that happened in this very specific place. It doesn't seem as particular. Right. I think um, one of the reasons that scholars... Uh, doubt whether this was specifically written by Paul is because the style is so different from the ones that are generally held by the scholarly community to be have been written by him. A lot of the genuine ones such as Romans, the Corinthians, Galatians, uh, 1 Thessalonians, they deal with really specific people, places, there are events that are being addressed that we don't have uh, the information about that Paul's responding to. Uh, this letter is much more formal, and the language is, well, it's not the kind of thing you would put in regular correspondence. It's uh, almost like a fancy speech. Yeah, so like kind of in that vein of this is a fancy speech, <laughs> who, who exactly are in these communities? Like... You're writing a letter, you've got an audience in mind, and we've already talked about how that audience is probably a lot broader than we might think of writing a private letter or sending a letter um, today, but are these is this community in particular in Ephesus made up of um, 
primarily Gentiles? Are they made up of people who would primarily identify as Jewish? Like, what what do we know? What can we say from the letter about this? And what can we say about dating, even? The letter, not other people. <laughs> uh, yes, what date is the, is the letter <laughs> written? Yeah. Um, good question. Well, I think it makes sense for us to get into sort of the content of chapter one as we look at that. There's an awful lot about, there's a lot of really cool adoption language, like right from the beginning, right? Uh, it's talking about God's desire to adopt all people. Yeah. There's a lot of really exalted language, which, um, as I was reading it, stood out to me. Um, you know, we've obtained an inheritance. We've been predestined. Um, there's a... I'm not sure where I'm going with that. There's something about the exalted language to me that says something about the bigness of God, the glory of God, the... Um, kind of great hopefulness that in the fullness of time all things will be what they're going to be what they're meant to be yeah it's a word of hope to me Mm -hmm. Um, hopefulness that yes everything seems like insanity and chaos right now things seem very fragile and yet we were worshipping a god uh, who has set Christ far above all rule and authority um, and power and dominion. There's nothing that comes over Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, that's in- incredibly comforting. Yeah. Having the reminder up front that we have been marked as God's own people. Yeah. But I think even more than that, that God is calling us into that this sense of not just kind of like adoption as God's beloved children, but this idea that we're called to that, that there's an invitation that comes with that. And I think sometimes when we hear language that's kind of exclusionary about who God picks and who God doesn't pick, I think that can feel really heavy and really judgy. But when we think of that more as in terms of of an invitation and what does that mean for us that we're invited to play a part in that 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 feels different to me yeah it's not just i i think when we often when we talk about call what we mean is you are called to do something in particular in your life now But when we talk about uh, being chosen um, for salvation, for instance, our minds go to heaven, to like a time after we're here on earth. And I think there's much, it's much more hopeful when we're talking about, you know, you've been called to a task Mm -hmm. to live in a particular way now. And even less exclusionary, because part of that call is a call to in invitation yeah well i mean even even when we say like you are called to do something like that's kind of a loaded sort of churchy word yeah i think even church people don't necessarily think of in terms of themselves they think oh a call like a pastoral call like 
you were called to be a minister, you were called to be a preacher. They don't, we don't often think about how, one, we're all kind of adopted into God's family, and two, like the invitation that that represents. And like when we think about, I, I'm thinking specifically about how there are so many kind of judgy aspects of our culture, like depending upon where you are, you can be like too slow or too weak or too skinny or too fat or too much or too little of something. And there's so much, there's better awareness now of kind of like combating like exclusionary practices. And we're trying to get away from the kind of culture of bullying that like so many of us sort of went through as kids. And I think it's very easy to get into a place where we think like God chooses certain people and not others, but who's to say that God didn't choose everyone. And the idea that, you know, God is extending an invitation to everybody, I think is one of the most powerful things about Ephesians. Like it's not limited to a particular ethnic or religious identity anymore. Like this idea of like all are adopted into like the body of Christ or invited into the body of Christ. I'm smiling and nodding as you <laughs> for for those of you who cannot see me. Um, I think another way to inflect this or another way to say the same thing from a slightly different angle is to think about um, the texts elsewhere that talk about the priesthood of all believers that call all people who believe a, a royal priesthood a holy nation uh, and are kind of ordained and sent forth and called in a into particular vocational context not all of those are in the church not all of those are um, leadership not all of those are very public not not all of them are even particularly religious um, but it's kind of this Protestant idea that no matter what you're doing for your work for your job that you are to do it for God um, for God's glory as a Christian and to do it well and to do it carefully yeah, as a preview of coming attractions, we're going to be talking a little bit about how everybody has very different giftings and different insights, and how does that contribute to like what it means to be within the body of Christ together? Like it's all needed. So to say that it's like a call is only for people who are working in the church or working specifically in a religious context is, I think, I think that puts an unnecessary and unscriptural limit on what's actually being said about invitation and calling certainly i yeah. go, go ahead, ahead. <laughs> i think that it's actually it would be you know awful if that was the only call right we we cannot have everybody doing the same sort of vocational ministry um we would have no ground to stand on. We would be lacking in so many ways. Um, so especially <laughs> I can think of specific people who do so many things that go unseen and unnoticed, and they are just kind of quietly in the background. And yet without them, everything falls to pieces. They are so important for, for people's lives, not just for the life of a particular church community, but, for the wider human community um yeah uh, ephesians definitely speaks to that and i think 
I mean, even within ministerial vocations, there's different giftings, which I would say is part of what makes the three of us work as a team, is that we might all identify in some way, shape, or form ministry as a vocation, a calling of ours, um, but we show up in those, we inhabit that vocation very differently um, and kind of express our gifts differently in ways that make ember itself happen week to week um Mm -hmm. which i think is really powerful but it also makes this notion of fullness that comes up over and over again in ephesians very compelling to me um like both because it gets couched in very physical terms in ephesians and which paints an interesting picture and this metaphor of the body as having many parts with many kind of different gifts and jobs to do Um, can be a very compelling and a very challenging metaphor to work with when we're thinking about um, all of the, like, fraughtness that comes with talking about embodiedness, especially today. Mm -hmm. Yeah, could you say more about the fraughtness and the embodiedness, I think? Yeah, I mean, I think... I I think very often... um, Or I think at least today in, in our culture the way that bodies get represented, the way that bodies get shamed, the way that bodies get praised makes, I think, inhabiting a body feel awful for some people. Most people, even. Um, And so when we're talking about a metaphor that centers the body, it becomes... It can become very difficult for people to engage that metaphor in meaningful ways without feeling somehow shamed in and of themselves or, you know, by virtue of what society tells them they are based on the way that they look or the way that they are abled or differently abled. Um, And I think to some, I think a lot of people have trouble thinking about embodiment alongside of God because we've kind of inherited this platonic tradition of that you're you're a soul that's in and bound by this flesh that's out to get you um and i think that this this could be a very helpful metaphor in imagining another way mm-hmm. because not even the entire biblical canon would agree with that kind of stark contrast between soul and body i particularly don't find it very helpful at all just to be frank yeah well i think one thing that i think is very helpful thinking about the body of christ in terms of like our own bodies, like our own bodies have so many different systems and, you know, it's really easy to kind of gauge our health when, you know, one system might be out of balance and every other part of the body system is affected by that. So how do we, um, how do we adapt when like maybe part of our bodies isn't working as we would want or, you know, how can we be um, reflective in a way that's like, oh, wow, like I actually feel really good. Like this is a good health day. Like notice that and be grateful for it. Because I think thinking about faith communities, like a healthy faith community has like kind of a balance and a recognition of the way different different giftings interlock and complement each other, but also has a sense of gratitude for when it works well. And like an understanding of, oh, wow, we're actually pretty healthy and that's worth celebrating. It also speaks to the level of 
care if we're looking at you know communities the body and the community is sort of analogy analogous um you know how would you care for your own body being in distress how do you care for others in your community um i do like that this is a very uh, it's a way to talk about the body that is very positive and as kelsey said i think we don't um relate to that so much even in a in a post-enlightenment society where we're very much in our heads i think it also raises questions of healing um which in some ways is kind of what ephesians could be thematically aimed at like if we're talking about we're spending this much energy talking through a metaphor of the body that we are united that we are one thing that we have different functions but we work together um to me that says something about an anxiety of division about division or that there's there's something going on behind this letter in this community or in these this network of communities that suggests that living together as a community is a struggle right now that 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 this much energy is spent on unity says something to me about the realities maybe Mm -hmm. of what's behind this letter like if people are actually unified people are unified there you don't need to call people to do it they just are which i mean as long as we're talking about it there's so much hope in that right now when it seems like most of our public discourse that's civil is a call to bring people together and is a call um a call for people to learn how to work through differences and there seems to be plenty of examples of ways in which it's hard to get along whether they're theological or political all you have to do is turn on literally any news station for more than five minutes and you'll hear something about how divisive these times are i think this letter is particularly relevant for us right now because of that uh one of the things that comes will come out you know preview of coming attractions is the way that we can have those discourses um and focus on unity but also not compromise the truth um that is lifted up several times in ephesians and i think it's something that's very hopeful and very uh timely and useful for us today Working with the body as a metaphor for all human community, we invite you this week to notice the gifts that make you a vital part of your own community, whether that's a church, a school, a nation, or even the whole human family. As we work through this text, we want to make sure that we are also in conversation with you, our listeners. So we invite you to reach out to us with questions, comments, and we'll be addressing these as we go on in subsequent podcasts. You can send your questions to emberfaithcommunity at gmail.com. Hope to hear from you. The Ember Podcast is a production of Ember Faith Community. Your hosts are Jeremy Grafe, Allison Spooner, and Kelsey Wallace. Music written and performed by Subaltern Project. All rights reserved, 2019.